Welcome back, my friends, to uh, another opportunity to delve into God's Word. Last week, we talked about the need for righteousness, and we were in Isaiah chapter 33, verses 1 through 13, and we're just going to add a couple more verses from verse 13 today to finish the story about why it's so important that we have righteousness, the righteousness of Christ in our lives. So the heart that truly repents from sin is the heart that is changed by the blood of Christ. When we talk about the blood of Christ, we're talking about the sacrifice that Jesus offered by dying on the cross in our place because of our sins. The Bible says that Jesus had no sin. He died because of our sins. And being washed by the blood of the Lamb is to be cleaned of the stain and eternal consequences of our sins and made into the saved, protected, separated, heaven-bound children of God. And this was God's will for Israel during Isaiah's ministry. Israel had adopted a sinful lifestyle. We talked about that last week a bit. That resembled their pagan neighbors and left the safety of living holy lives before God. Now, the book of Isaiah is filled with prophecies against both Israel and her enemies. In one sentence, God gave a judgment against Israel's sin. And in the next, he showed his compassion towards her and offered redemption. Last week, we studied God's response to the Assyrians who were laying waste to Israel's land and and threatening her king. Now, God wanted the Assyrians to know his power and protection of his love, which was Israel. He also wanted to remind his children that sin brings pain and consequences. We talked about that. So they were to take careful note of God's wrath against their enemies. In order to survive the wrath of God, the Israelites, as well as each of us today, needed to do the following things. So first of all, is we need to be aware of our sins. This is in verse 14 of our lesson today. The Israelites certainly became aware of the, the gravity and the seriousness of their sins when they heard God's address and warning to them in verse 13. He said, you that are near, acknowledge my might. And this was in regard to his response to the Assyrians promising to destroy them. Now, there just seem to be times in our lives when we don't see that what we're doing is either plain wrong or at the very least not helpful for others or ourselves. And sometimes we need a jolt from outside of ourselves to take a closer look at our behavior. Israel certainly got a jolt when God warned those Israelites who were sinning and being hypocritical to watch what was going to happen to Assyria because of Assyria's sins against Israel. Now, God is just, and that is his justice is perfect. This means that he doesn't have favorites among his creation. It means that he doesn't correct one situation and leave a similar one alone. See, that would not be perfect justice. When God corrects us for the wrong that we sometimes do, he does sort of make us better in every way. We see this in Proverbs 3 and verse 12. Israel had received the greatest promise from God. They would be his people and he would be their God, Exodus 29, 45. That promise has been extended to every person who calls on the name of Jesus today. That's you and me if you listen to this in Christ right now through the sacrifice of Jesus on the cross and his glorious resurrection. Now, the result of his warning in verse 13 was fear in the hearts of those in Israel who were living sinful lives against God. We see this in verse 14. 
they fearfully asked, could any of us survive the judgment of God? Now remember, after God pronounced a judgment against Israel because of sin, he offered her his compassion and redemption. Well, secondly, we need to walk righteously. This series is all about our need for righteousness. We need to walk righteously. We've already stated that this righteousness or this rightness is not something that we possess, but that which is given to us by Jesus. So how are those who are sinners freed from the consequences of their sins? Well, according to verse 15, first and foremost, by walking righteously. This expression in the Hebrew speaks to a moral lifestyle. To walk righteously is to do those things that are godly, both through our actions and through our words. When Christ becomes part of a person's life, he changes that person's heart first, the changes from the inside out. The Holy Spirit takes up residency in our hearts and builds in us the things of heaven and the heart and mind of our Heavenly Father. And we honor God and remain on that safe and narrow path he puts us on when we walk righteously. Next is to speak uprightly. It's a kind of a weird word that we don't use today so much. The words and attitudes that we use, they originate in the heart. So do the words we use glorify God? Do they agree with God's nature? They will if righteousness guards and guides the tongue. Now the tongue, or those things that we say that come out of our hearts, is described in Scripture as untamable, that which is evil, uncontrollable, and full of deadly poison. Now this is James chapter 3 in verse 8. And people get in more trouble because of an untamed tongue that spews judgments that spews words of hatred and discrimination and and really just pure foolishness. In Luke chapter 6 and verse 45, Jesus said, A good person brings good out of the treasure of good things in his heart. A bad person brings out bad of his treasure of bad things. For the mouth speaks what the heart is full of. And so we can try to fool people with our words, but ultimately... We're going to show what's in our hearts, ultimately. Now, the Christian who represents the interests of heaven, no longer those of this world, is called to speak of those things that are pure and godly, to speak of those things that are useful for building up a person, those things needed to protect another person's reputation, and those things that are free from profanity. The Holy Spirit resides in the heart of the believer, and so his influence, the Holy Spirit's influence, should be that which comes out of us in our words and deeds. Next is, do not cheat the poor. Now you might say, well, how do we cheat the poor today? Well, the word in the Hebrew for not cheating the poor means to plunder. And so oppression is the result intended by cheating someone else. It's been stated already that God no longer wanted his children in Israel to behave and speak in immoral and sinful ways. Added to those sins is the taking advantage of the poor by overcharging for goods and extorting money in harsh ways. So not only are God's children not to do these things, but they are to abhor them. They are to hate them. They are to avoid them. When we live according to the will of God, we live in the love of God. We're called to meet the needs of the poor and store up riches in heaven instead of here on earth. Israel was a wicked place during Isaiah's ministry, and many were devoid 
of the changed heart that God offered them as his special people. Well, let's conclude. What must we do to survive the judgment of God? This is the question asked in verse 14 of our lesson today. And the question really asks how we are to maintain a healthy and holy life before God, the one who deeply loves us and provides us with the way, the truth, and the life, that is Jesus. And the answer is partly given in our lesson today. Our lifestyle needs to be moral and holy, calling upon God's presence and leading in our lives and doing those things that are taught to us by the Holy Spirit as being part of the heart and mind of God. We are to use our words to promote the love and grace of God and avoid foolish and harmful words and conversations that really have nothing to do with love or the things of heaven. We are to treat others the way we want to be treated, the golden rule, Luke 6, 31. And attached to that, we are to take care of those in need. And these things lead to safety and blessings in the life of the believer, according to the final verse of our lesson today, verse 16. Well, there you have it, our two-part series on our need for righteousness and some real practical information on how to apply the righteousness of Christ to our lives so that we're living rightly before God and before others. Would you pray with me? Heavenly Father, we just thank you for this word in the second part today, and we just ask, Lord, that you help us to take the righteousness that we have from you and apply it in our lives, apply it in the way that we speak, apply it in the, the, the things that we do so that we show you and we show the world that our hearts belong to you, so that we honor you with our lives and in our attentions and our actions, so that we're able to plant seeds of love and hope that come from you into the hearts of those who still need to know you. And Lord, we thank you for giving us this information, for helping us have what we need to grow. We know that growth never stops, that sanctification is a process that takes us to our last day on this earth. And so Lord, help us to continually seek growth from you by studying your word, by attending church services when they open up, by attending Bible studies, by spending time with Christians who are more mature and wiser than we are so that we can continually learn, Lord, and give us opportunities to put into practice the ministry that you place in our hearts. And we ask all of these things in the name of Jesus. Amen. All right, my friends, there you have it. Stay safe. Make the right decisions. May God bless you. Until next time. Bye-bye.